Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Studio One called An Enemy of the People. It's about an hour long, and it first aired on May 13th, 1947. This is Studio One at CBS. The Columbia Broadcasting System invites you to Studio One for the third broadcast in a new series of hour-length versions for listening of celebrated stories, novels, and plays. We introduce the director of Studio One, Fletcher Markle. Tonight, a social drama. But please don't let those words confuse you as to the nature of the play. It's a most arresting and provocative story with a very important idea behind it, and I'm sure you'll find it worth your time. Back in the days when its author, Henrik Ibsen, hurled his plays at the world, they rocked nations. Some of them are now out of date or out of style, but others are just plainly and simply neglected. Poor Ibsen, one can reasonably imagine him sulking in one of the cooler corners of heaven reserved for Scandinavians, muttering in his beard about what has happened to his plays. But tonight's story is one that would surely snap him out of his dark mood. It's called An Enemy of the People... Arranged in contemporary terms, we're going to perform it for you now. For you and for Ibsen. From Studio One, CBS presents An Enemy of the People by Henrik Ibsen. are going very nicely these days, Hostad. That was the voice of Dr. Thomas Stockman. You've met him somewhere, or someone like him. He's slipping over into the heavy side of middle age. He's a family man with a grown-up daughter, Polly, and two sons in their teens. He's a confident man. It's in his walk, what he has to say, in his clothes, and most of all in the way he keeps taking off his glasses and waving them at you to stress his points. Just as he's waving them now at his friend Hofstad, a newspaper editor. You know, it's it's nice to be comfortably off, Hofstad. Of course you know men like Stockman. We can afford a few luxuries now. Uh, Catherine says I almost earn as much as we spend. Doing all right then, Thomas. Oh, yes. Uh, here, Hofstad, can I fix you up another drink? Confident is right, since Dr. Stockman became medical officer for the big new health resort here in his hometown. He's worked up a nice private medical practice, too. His stock is pretty high among the townspeople because it was his idea developing the rather unusual mineral waters just on the edge of town. There you are, Hofstad. Just the way you like it. Oh, thank you, Thomas. That fellow Stockman is talking to, Hofstad, he's a very good friend of the doctor's. He's editor of the People's Messenger, the local paper. Some people consider him pretty far advanced politically. That's one of the things Dr. Stockman likes about him. If Hofstad is the advanced element in the town, I suppose the doctor's brother, Peter, is at the opposite end of the scale of morality. Peter Stockman is the mayor of the town, and he'll probably get elected again next year if his speeches are dull enough, and they are, and if he compromises enough, and he does. Peter Stockman is also chairman of the board of directors for H.R. Enterprises, 
health resort enterprises. He's done all right for himself. The two brothers never got along very well together. Too many differences between them. Peter, you don't appreciate this town as I do. Having to live so long away from it in my little outpost up north, hard to see anybody. And to come back here, so much going on in the community spirit. I appreciate the town. Yes, the town's all right, Thomas. Now with the new health resort, well, if it's a success, then we all gain. It isn't just the money. It's having all kinds of things to work for and fight for. That's what matters. Is it? I'm really happy here as health officer, so comfortably off. Able to provide some comforts at last for Catherine and the children. We nearly starved up there in the north. Oh, oh, oh now, Thomas, you exaggerate. Oh, I don't mean starvation from not enough to eat, but starvation for mental stimulation. Oh, the joy of mixing with progressive and inquiring minds like Hofstad. And... Hey, what's, uh, what's this article of yours Hofstad's going to print in his newspaper? Oh, that, it's... Uh... It's about the health resort, I hear. Yes, it won't be going to the paper for a while yet, though. Why not? Oh, I'd rather not talk about it just now. Look here, I'm entitled to know about all arrangements regarding HR Enterprises. You should route that matter through the proper channels, businesslike. I see you've heard rumors. Well, you have to check with your superiors. They're held responsible. Well, Peter, it's, it's too soon to talk about it. Yes, you think you can say whatever you like and even write it. But believe me, this high and mighty independence, you'll pay for it sooner or later. <laughs> yes, Peter. I'm serious. You always are, Peter. And about the wrong thing. That rather typical exchange between the two brothers took place on a Tuesday afternoon. Neither knew how close they were to the most violent battle the two had ever had. The thing that set it off came that night. The doctor was sitting at home fooling and laughing with his family. And his father-in-law, Morton Callum, was over that night too, and Hobstead... And Stockman's daughter, Polly, a schoolteacher, came along late. And then what happened, Daddy? Yeah, Daddy, how'd you get out of here? Uh, you weren't supposed to ask that question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you shouldn't tell such tall tales to the children, Thomas. <laughs> What's all the laughing about? Oh, Polly. Fine thing. You enjoying yourselves while I've been out slaving? Come on in and join the party. Sure, Mr. Hofstad. Well, Polly. Hello, Grandfather. You here, too? Yes, I came to see you. And you weren't here. Oh, golly, am I tired. Is there any more tea there, Mom? Well, get yourself a cup off the sideboard. Whole day teaching and two hours of night school on top of that. Well, do you think your students learned anything? Sure, a bunch of smug lies. Come on, move, move over, Dad. Let me sit down. All right. Polly, now, don't talk that way about your teaching. It's a wonderful profession. Come on, Dad, over. All right. And none of your lectures, Mother, about the fine privilege of serving impressionable young minds. There's room enough there for you, Polly. You're not that big yet. Oh, I gained another pound today. Uh, teaching may be a noble calling, but it's darn sedentary. Uh, you'll become a fine, plump woman in no time. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, Grandfather. <laughs> oh, say, Dad, I forgot. I have a letter for you. A letter? Who's it from? Oh, uh, it's... Wait a minute. It's here in my purse. Here it is. Postman gave it to me just as I was going out this morning. I didn't have time to come back. So, you Here carry I... my mail with you all day. I've been expecting this. What is it, Thomas? Uh, just a minute. I... Uh, just as I thought. I'll greet my dear brother Peter with this in the morning. Now that town will have something to get head up about. <laughs> I 
don't understand all this, Thomas. I kept quiet until I had proof, Peter. And now I've got it in this letter. I warned the board there were dangers in the design and location, but nobody would listen to me then. Well, they'll have to now. Come to the point. You know what this health resort we've sunk so much money in to attract tourists and invite... Do you know what it really is? What is it? The whole place is a pest house. Oh, a health resort? Health? It's polluted. It's, it's saturated with disease. All the waste products up at Molladell from the tannery, all that stinking filth is infecting the water in the pipes leading to the reservoir and seeps out on the shore, too. Where, where the bathing beach is? Exactly. Our bathing beach is a cesspool of dangerous bacteria. But that's your father-in-law's problem. It's his tannery that's contaminating the water. And you'd better not cross up old Morton Callum. He's your security. Your family will be getting his money someday. I know, Peter, but you must remember it was H.R. Enterprises that made the water diversion. Oh, Morton Callum isn't responsible. The tannery isn't responsible, not legally. Remember last year we had some tourists take sick here? Typhoid cases and cases... They of... were infected before they came here. You said so, you said Well, I you... thought so then, but later, in the winter, I began to change my mind. So I went to work as health officer and got some samples of the water. I, uh, I tried to make the tests myself, but with the small amount of lab equipment I have at hand... Ah, oh, you were mistaken, hmm? You couldn't prove it? And I sent the samples, both of the drinking water and the swimming water, up to the university to have an accurate analysis made. And? Here it is, this letter. It proves the presence of decomposed organic matter in the water. Full of infusoria and... and, and it, oh, it's an appalling situation. Uh, I don't believe it. Well, here's the letter. Read it yourself. Was it necessary for you to make all these investigations behind my back? Yes, because until I was absolutely sure about and it... And you I... feel absolutely sure now. <laughs> it's there in the letter. Can you doubt it? And as local health officer, you intend to bring this before the board? Yes, I... Prepared a report with recommendations. What we're giving the tourists now is a constant supply of disease germs. Just think, water that's infectious whether you drink it or swim in it. That's what we offer sick people who come to us in good faith and pay exorbitant rates to be made well again. <laughs> As usual, you exaggerate, do you not? What's needed is a new drainage system to draw off the waste material from Molladell and you relay the water. Do the whole thing over again? Well, I... Do you see any other way out of it? I don't. And what do we do with the resort in the meantime? Why, no one had come near the place after it got around that the water was dangerous. Yes, but, Peter, that's what we're up against. There are other towns along the waterfront that'll grab off our tourist trade. And then where are we going to be? We might as well give up the whole project, lose everything. And you can be proud of having ruined your hometown. Me? I've ruined it. I didn't put bugs there. Health Resort Enterprises is the only thing that ever brought any business to this town. We've got a bit of a future now. Well, granted, what do you suggest we do? Nothing. I'm not convinced that the water is as bad as It'll you... It'll be even worse this next summer when the hot weather comes. Want an epidemic on your hands? Oh, stop exaggerating, Thomas. A competent physician ought to know what measures to take to prevent any trouble. Or at least to... to... Here's the whole point. You have to accept the engineering that's been done on the water system. Oh, I'm sure the board will give some consideration to your suggestions for improvements. As long as it doesn't cost too much. That would be a nice piece of fraud. Fraud? Yes, a fraud. A lie. A, a, an out-and-out -out public crime. I told you before, I'm... I'm not convinced there's any immediate danger. Look, it was because of your influence, your pressure, that the health resort was built so near the water atlas from the tannery. Because you own property there. That's what's bothering you, that blunt-headed greed and stupidity of yours. Huh? I think I don't see through you. What if I do protect my reputation? It's for the good of the town. I've done more for this place than any other mayor they've ever had. So it's in the public's interest to withhold that report. With an election coming on and... 
But later on, I'll uh, I'll raise the question with the board, and we'll do our best privately. But nothing of this is to leak out. Not a word to the public. I'm afraid I can't stop that now, Peter. You better. Too many people know about it already. Who? Don't tell me those friends of yours on the People's Messenger, those yellow journalists, Hofstad. That's right, that's right. You and your busybody troublemaking, you want to cut off the most important source of income for the whole town. But the source is poison, man. Stop and think. We're, we're making a living out of retailing filth and corruption. Our business gets its dividends from a lie. It's very painful for me, Thomas, as mayor, to have my nearest relative always criticizing and attacking things and suggesting costly reforms. But you forget I'm health officer. Don't you think it's the duty of every educated man to pass on his knowledge and ideas to the public? Oh, leave the public alone. Just stir up a lot of fuss. Are things so perfect they don't need to be criticized and changed? That's your honest opinion? Yes. You're a fanatic and a fool. You've no idea how much harm you do yourself by being so outspoken. You, you, you fight with the authorities and you fight with the businessmen. You, you discard everyone you should have some consideration for. Are you forgotten completely that it was I who got you your appointment as medical officer for the resort? I was entitled to it. I was the first one who saw that the town could be made into a successful health resort, and I was the only one at the time. I had to plug away at it for years, and I wrote and wrote. Well, it wasn't the moment for it. As soon as the opportune time came, I and others, practical businessmen, took the matter up. Yes, and made this mess of it. Pretty bright bunch. Thomas. What? Look. Now... We're brothers, Thomas. I want you to do something. But if you don't, I'm going to get tough, too. Oh, you are? Since you've been stupid enough to let this matter get out when it should have been treated as official and confidential, you're going to make a public retraction. A retraction? How? After further investigation, you will come to the conclusion that the situation isn't as bad as you figured in the first place. You expect And also, you'll make a public statement of your confidence in the Board of Health Resort Enterprises. And in their great readiness to remedy any defects, or any possible defects. Oh, but you won't be able to fix it by tinkering here and patching there. It's impossible. How can I say it more emphatically? Impossible! Maybe I should remind you. You have no right to a private opinion. No right? As a subordinate member of the staff of H.R. Enterprises, you have no right to express any opinion which runs counter to that of your superiors. Oh, but this is... this is... This is too... I, I'm a doctor, a man of science. And you tell me I've no right in my this, own this field isn't to... This is a matter that's just scientific. It's more complicated than... Involves economic as well as technical... I don't care what it involves. You a pack of... I won't allow it. I, your superior, and you'd better obey me or you'll... Obey you! Hofstad you. has that article of mine, and all he's waiting for is my word to go ahead and print it. Well, now he'll get it. Anything to embarrass us, the people who are, tr- who are trying to run the community. I'll get Larson's support, too. Larson? As chairman of community welfare, he's as interested in health as I am. Don't forget, he's also president of the Taxpayers Association. Larson won't support you. Ha! Ah, Peter, dear Mr. Mayor, that does worry you a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Hello, Hofstad? Yeah, Thomas? You can go ahead and print that article of mine on the water situation. Good, good. Ah, oh, we'll hit them hard. Go in today. I'd, uh, I'd also like you to run a news story on the reception I've received from the authorities. Sure, I'll take it. I'll pound it out and bring it right over. Fine. Uh, you didn't get very far. Uh, nowhere. See you. Right. 
Mr. Larson, you're in. Oh, hello, Doctor. Oh, sit down. Your brother was just here, just left. My brother? What did he want about the water? Uh, yes. I suppose he tried to tell you a lot of lies. Uh, doctor, about... Doctor, this is a serious matter. Is it true it'll cost close to half a million dollars to make the engineering changes necessary? I know what it'll cost. Uh, maybe. And uh, the town will have to pay for it? No, the company will pay for it. Health Resort Enterprises. But the company isn't in a position to incur any further expenses. Your brother just told me that. He should know. Both as chairman of the board and as mayor. He also told me it might mean things will be shut down for two years while the changes are made. What is the town going to live on in the meantime? A lot of new people have moved in here. Some stores have... I don't have... know, but the resort can't go on as it is, infecting people. Uh, I'm sorry, Doctor. I, I'm i afraid I can't go along with you on this. But wait a minute, Mr. Larson. No, 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 it won't be any use. I don't see where there's any choice but Close to... Close up the resort for two years if it's necessary. Are you out of your mind? If... A storekeeper in the town would ruin. Real estate values... Well, maybe are... that's better than infecting the whole country. The tourists will carry the infection with them. Doctor... I've always been a reasonable man. You and I have always gotten along well together. But I must say this is going too far. You're saying things like that. I'm inclined to agree with your brother. You're exaggerating. This whole thing is uh, imagination. Imagination, Mr. Larson? This is solid scientific fact. <laughs> How's that? I'm late. Print this too. Print oh, it. Oh, hello, Stockman. You finally got it. We'll here. blow this town to... Thomas? Oh, Peter. What are you doing here in Halstead's office? Nice job you did with Larson. I just told him the simple consequences. Halstead, is this great public figure my brother trying to scare you into not printing my article? Because I'm sure his threats and lies can't make any impression on you anyway. Weak need old grandmother Larson. Look, Halstead, here's the new story I promised you over the phone. Just run it side by side with the main article. No, Thomas. I, uh, I'm not going to print it. Not? Well, what does this mean? I, uh, I didn't realize the implications in this, Thomas, that it would take so much money and time to, uh... Well, you gave me a rather false picture. False picture? I'll be responsible for any false picture. Just print the article. I'll be able to defend it. I thought you were my brother's political opponent. Certainly, but it'd be political suicide for me to print your article. We can fight the election on other issues. You've got a chance to blast the mayor right out of office, and you won't use it. Thomas, what chance would my party or my paper have publicizing this and jeopardizing the future of the town? I might as well get my razor and cut my then own... print my article as a handbill. Leave it out of your paper. I'll pay the cost. No, and... I wouldn't touch it in any form. Halstead, you said you were fighting for truth and freedom. Thomas, prepare yourself for another surprise. Mr. Halstead is going to print an article I'm going to write for him, presenting the real situation. May I kiss the bride? Which of you is the bride? I'll hire a hall to speak the truth. And I'll parade the streets with a drum and shout the truth. You won't shut me up. I'll call a public meeting. I will. I'll hire a hall. Uh, 
attention, please. Uh, well, please. Will the meeting please come to order? Uh, it's a quarter past, and so I think I'll begin. I, uh, I see that some of my enemies are present in the audience. Good. Tonight they'll see how truth can win out. Just a moment. Uh, Mr. Larson... I, uh, I think we ought to elect a chairman first. Uh, no, that's not necessary, Mr. Larson. This is my meeting. I uh, I think so, too. As mayor, I think we should have a chairman. Your Honor, I'm only going to deliver a lecture. We don't need a chairman. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Stockman's lecture might lead to a hot and heavy discussion. We need a presiding officer. Yeah, chairman, the mayor's right. Let's have a chairman. I vote we have a chairman. Give it the proper way. Doctor, the general wish of the meeting seems to be that a chairman should be elected. Well, I... It's... Uh, let the meeting have its way. I nominate the mayor. Thank you. Thank you, friends, but I'd like to decline, if you don't mind, for various reasons. There is a man here, though, who I think will be acceptable to all of you. The president of the Taxpayers Association, Mr. Larson. Since my fellow citizens want it, very well, I'll take the chair. Well, then get up there on the platform. <laughs> Yes. And uh, and now, as chairman, I'd like to say a few words. I uh, I'm a quiet and peaceful man who believes in uh, uh, discreet moderation and uh, and uh, in moderate uh, discretion. Anybody who knows me knows that. You tell him, Larson. You I uh, I have learned in the school of life and experience that moderation is the most valuable virtue a citizen can possess, especially in these times. Here, here. I uh, would therefore suggest to our esteemed fellow citizen, uh, Dr. Thomas Stockman, who has called this meeting on his own initiative, that he should keep strictly within the bounds of moderation. Three cheers for the Moderation Society. Hurrah! Hurrah! Gentlemen, please. <coughs> I, uh, I see the mayor has his hand up. Uh, yes, you have something to say, sir? Uh, Mr. Chairman, in consideration of the close family relationship between myself and the present medical officer of Health Resort Enterprises, I'd rather not have had to say anything this evening. But my official position with regard to the resort and my concern for the vital interests of the town in general force me to put forward the motion. I'm sure none of you want any unreliable and exaggerated accounts of the sanitary condition of the resort and the town spread around. Therefore, I should like to move that this meeting vote not to permit the medical officer to give his proposed lecture. Not permit me? What trick is this? Doctor, please, do not interfere with our meeting. But it's my meeting. Uh, Doctor, you're out of order. Well, I... Very well, go ahead. I... Ladies and gentlemen, in my statement published in the press... I presented the facts, the truth to the public, so that every fair-minded citizen could form his own judgment on the issue. It's pretty obvious the medical officer's insinuations are an insult to the leading and most highly respected citizens of this community. But more important than that, his proposals would saddle every taxpayer in this community with increased taxes. Do you want that? Oh, 
Quiet, order, order. I, I must say that I, I agree with the mayor. No one doubts the good intentions of the doctor, but when it ends up being an increased burden on the taxpayers, as it would be in this case, and I, for one, although I've always admired him, will see Dr. Stockman hanged before I will go along with him in this matter. I do feel... I do Mr. Hobstad, you may speak, Mr. Hobstad. I, too, feel called upon to explain my position as editor of the People's Messenger. Now, Dr. Stockman's agitations for greater health measures in the town seemed to be gaining a certain amount of sympathy at first, so I supported them impartially, as is the policy of our paper. In, in, in this issue, too, we were going to support the doctor, but then we began to suspect that we'd allowed ourselves to be misled by misrepresentation of the Misrepresentation? Facts. How do you know? You haven't even heard the facts yet. Doctor, please don't interrupt. As, as you know, my paper, The People's Messenger, on broad international questions sometimes goes quite far, really quite advanced. But in dealing with purely local matters, Experience has shown that a newspaper ought to proceed with a certain cost. You can say that again. Now, it's, it's pretty obvious, it's pretty obvious in the matter before us, that our health officer, Dr. Stockman, has public opinion against him. Now, what's an editor's first and most obvious duty, gentlemen? Isn't it to print what the readers want? And isn't it up to him to work persistently and conscientiously for the welfare of those whose opinions he represents, his readers, the public? Yeah. Or is it possible that I am mistaken in that? Right, Hofstede. You better crib what we believe in. Yeah, sure. I never liked your paper. You, you have no idea. You have no idea what a severe struggle it's been for me to break with Stockman. A man who's been my friend. Hey. Which Stockman did you break with? The mayor or the doctor? God, my, my duty to you forced me to break with Dr. Stockman. I will now put the mayor's proposition to a vote. That the medical officer not be permitted to lecture. There isn't, there isn't any need. Tonight, I have no intention of dealing with all that filth down at the resort. I've got something else to speak about. Mr. Chairman, I'm a taxpayer, and so consequently, I have a right to speak too. And my absolute, unswerving, and uh, inconceivable opinion. Please, I call. I call meeting. Am I going to be allowed to speak? Doctor Stockman will address the meeting. I'd like to have seen anyone a few days ago there to silence me, as has been done tonight. I'd have defended my sacred right to speak as a man, like a... <clears throat> well, I, I let the issue of the poisonous condition of the water pass. I have something more important to say to you. I've thought and pondered a great deal these last few days. Pondered over so many things that my head's almost burst. But I got it straightened out at last. I've made a discovery... Much bigger than that piddling matter about our polluted water supply. I thought you weren't going to talk about the result. I, I have discovered that our moral life is poisoned. Our moral life and the whole fabric of our society is founded on life. Is that so? I, I suggest the speaker moderate his language. I, 
I have always loved my hometown. When I was up north, I thought a lot about it. I wanted to do something for this place and the people here. So I worked out the plan for making a health resort out of it. Didn't work out the plan. Quiet! Well, when, when I had the chance to come home at last, I thought I was very lucky. That's all I wanted, to be back here and to be of public service to this community. Be quiet. Yesterday, yesterday, my eyes were opened, and for the first time, I realized the enormous corruption of the authorities. Ooh. 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 Corruption. I curse you. Of my authority as chairman of this meeting. It's quivering I... to catch me up on a praise, Mr. Larson. Perhaps I should say the boneheadedness of the leading citizens of this town. They stand in the way of every independent and intelligent man, whichever way he turns. And what I'd like best to see is every blessed one of them kicked right out. <laughs> Tasha, please try to be tactful in your language. All right, I won't say anything more about our leading citizens. They're not the greatest danger and most terrifying enemy of truth and freedom. Who then? Yeah, who? Oh. Name them. Yes, naming them, I'll name them. That is precisely the discovery I made yesterday. The most dangerous enemy to truth and freedom is the majority of the people. You, all of you, now you know. This is Studio One at CBS, presenting as its third broadcast in a new series of hour-length dramas, An Enemy of the People by Henrik Ibsen. The story will resume after a pause for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Continuing the third program from Studio One, Columbia's new hour-length dramatic series, we present the second half of An Enemy of the People. request the speaker to withdraw the, the ill-considered remark he made a moment ago. No. No, I'm sorry. It's the majority in this town denies me my freedom and tries to keep me from speaking the truth. The majority always has right on its side. Are we not taught so in school? And truth, too. That is one of those political lies you leaders have used to blind the... the Oh, don't you see? The majority never has right on its side. Never, I say. Coming against the majority. Wait. Wait, let me finish. Let me finish what I was going to say. There is a kind of right. The majority has on its side a broad general right. But when we get down to specific truths and specific rights, 
then the minority is to be listened to and believed. I, I have spent my life studying preventive medicine and dealing in, in community health problems. And I tell you that the water here at the resort is teeming with disease. But you don't hey, want to believe me. You won't talk about that. Yeah, lay off it. But that is, that is the subject. That is the subject I'm an expert in. And you won't listen to me. Why should we? I'm cost of money. Look, won't you, won't you admit that there are some men in their own fields who have climbed far, far above the rest of us. They are fighting for truths newly born. They are right, and we, the majority, are wrong. Let's not shout them down and throw bricks at them just because they deny what we believe. Let's seek them out and, and, and listen to them. There are men who have discovered new truths about money, our minds, our emotions, food, the, the elements, the cooperation, language. Those men could lead us down new streets, out of our mental, physical, and spiritual slums. In other words, what you're advocating is a revolution. Yes. Yes, of course I am. A revolution against the lie that the majority is always right. What sort of truth does the majority now hold? A truth that the fighters at the outposts held in the days of our grandfathers. The fighters at the outposts now no longer approve them. Truths don't last forever. No community can live a healthy, vigorous, human and humane life if it is nourished only on dried-up truths, on lies. Instead of standing up there using vague generalities, tell us what these dried-up truths are. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, should, you should know, Mr. Hofstad. Most of the tired truths that have become lies are in your paper, The People's Messenger. When problems are far away and can't affect you, your heart bleeds for humanity. Hofstad bleeding for humanity! <laughs> but when the, the problems are close up in your own town, that's something else again. Prove it, Dr. Stockman. You didn't want to hurt your paper circulation or scare your advertisers. It was just in private you like to brag to me about your social conscience. That's a lie. Yes, it's a lie. He has no social conscience. The people's, <laughs> the people's messenger preaches broad-mindedness and morality, but deals in their opposites. It makes headlines out of rumors. And if a rumor is false, it prints a retraction on page five. But the truth can never catch up to a lie. The paper condemns a horrible crime, but delights in it with detailed pictures and columns and columns of copy. It points out the ignorance, poverty, and, and ugly conditions of life in some far-off place, but ignores them here in this town. Mr. Chairman! I move that you direct the speaker to sit down. Hey, hey, second that. No, no, let him speak. Let him sit down. Let him sit down. Street corners. I'll get it published somewhere. I'll spread it all over the country. It almost seems as if Dr. Stockman's intentions are to ruin this town, exterminate it. Yes, my hometown means so much to me that I'd, I'd rather exterminate it than see it flourish on a lie. Better to cut out the infection now, the festering sore. Exterminate well, the people. You're talking like an animal. Don't go here. Enemy of the people. We've heard enough. There, doctor. There is the voice of the people. Yes, yes, He's yes. an enemy of the people. He hates the people. And his country. Enemy, enemy of the people. people. Please, please, order. Order. I have something to say. Order. Order. Quiet. Please. 
both as a citizen and as an individual, I'm profoundly shocked by what I've just had to listen to. And in the light of recent world events... You've heard the truth from me, Larson. That's what you think. I have my own views. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to... I'm obliged to subscribe to the opinion I've just heard from the audience, my fellow citizens. And I propose that we put on record our opinion. I will entertain a resolution from the floor. Uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, yes, Mr. Mayor. Resolved. This meeting is of the opinion that Dr. Thomas Stockman, medical officer of the sort, is an enemy of the people. I second that! I <laughs> oh, you fools! I tell you that... I call this meeting... You can't... We, I, we cannot hear you now, Doctor. You're out of order. A formal vote is about to be taken. Now a show of hands, please. All those against the resolution, those against... One, two, three... Four, is your hand up or down? Uh, down. Four, five, six, uh, seven. I thank the few of you who... Now, now, all those in favor of the resolution, raise your hand. by an overwhelming majority. This meeting of citizens declares Dr. Thomas Stockman to be an enemy of the people. <laughs> meeting is adjourned. Wait. 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 You'll hear more from this enemy of the people before he leaves you behind him. I'm not so forgiving as you might think. You won't find me saying, I forgive you, for you know not what you do. It is a blasphemous comparison, Dr. Stockman. He's threatening us now, is he? That's running out of time. Don't worry, don't worry, Catherine. They oh. won't do any more than break the windows. Oh. These stones... Oh, oh, look! Another oh. one. And that stone, too. Where did it go to? Here it is. Thomas, get away from the window! I'll keep these stones. Leaf and Morton will look at them every day, and when they grow up, they'll inherit them as mementos of this. Oh, Thomas, your pants are ripped. I did that getting away from those people. Best pants you've got. Oh. I'll have to remember in the future when I go out to fight for freedom and truth, never to wear my best pants. Oh, Thomas, Thomas. That's all right. That's probably the last one. Hello? Oh, good morning. Is this uh, Dr. Thomas Stockman? Uh, good morning, yes. Uh, this is Mr. Hedberg, your landlord. Oh, hello. What can I... Uh... I thought I'd better phone you and explain. You see, I am in a dependent position. 
I, I don't like to do this, but... Well, I, I hope you'll understand, Doctor. Understand what? I'm sending you notice to vacate. Your what? I'm forced to ask you to leave your... Uh, my house. It's nothing to do with me. It, it, it's nothing personal, Doctor. I want you to understand... Uh, uh, public opinion compels me to... Uh, yes. I don't dare offend certain influential people in the party I belong. Uh, no. No, of course, Mr. Hedberg. I see. Thank you for calling. Well, Doctor... Uh, goodbye. Landlord, we'll be getting a notice in tomorrow's mail, Catherine, to move out of here. Move out? Not wasting any time getting things organized against the enemy of the people. Oh, now that's ridiculous. Who thought up that name? You've never been at? You can't be, Thomas. Oh, don't be too sure, uh, Catherine. To be called an ugly name, enemy of the... Sticking here in the pit of my stomach, eating away and nothing... Thomas, I... dear, you... You were a bit reckless. No. No, most of the things I said, I believe, they're true... Maybe I did get carried away at the last. But I... I get so mad at the people. I... I expect so much of them, and I'm always disappointed. <laughs> I... I shocked them, didn't I? <laughs> Maybe that's not bad to jar them a bit so they won't be so sure of everything. If someone can get them to doubt and wonder and try to find out, then maybe we'll be able to stumble through. I keep hoping... out in the garden. Wally, what are you doing home from school so early in the middle oh, of the... Oh, Father, I've, I've lost my position as a teacher. I've been dismissed. They're taking this out on you, too. Mrs. Busk was given the unpleasant job. And I know it hurt her to have to tell me, but she didn't dare keep me on. She said her own job was at stake. So my holidays this year start very early. She didn't dare either. That's lovely. Suddenly, very suddenly, they decide I've been corrupting the youth of our town. Some of the things I've said in class. Well, that was the reason given. They were right. Most of the stuff they tell you to teach in school corrupts the students. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful, Dad? We're both a couple of rebels. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yes, but that's enough, Polly. Let's not pretend it isn't serious. Uh, you better go inside and tell your mother the news. But uh, don't let her know you're enjoying it. I wish I were, but I'm aware of all that's behind it. <laughs> My dear brother, I've been expecting this call all day. Oh, you, you have. Uh, come in. Thomas, uh, I... Well, out with it, Peter. You look as though you're the one who's been badly treated. This document from the board of HR... Uh, my dismissal. Yes, dating from today. We're sorry to have to do it, Thomas, but because of public opinion, we don't dare... Don't to... dare. That again. You might as well know the whole situation, Thomas. From now on, don't expect any private medical practice in this town either. And who do you think you are to... Why do you say that? 
The Taxpayers Association is circulating a petition asking people to pledge not to employ you because of the way you insulted the town. Huh. Public-minded Larson's little group. Thomas, it might be advisable for you to leave the place for a little while. Yes, that would be convenient, wouldn't it? Yes. Then when you've had six months to think things over, maybe you could persuade yourself to write a few words of apology, admitting your error. And I might be reappointed to my old position. It's not impossible. But, uh, tell me, what about uh, public opinion? Oh, public opinion is easy to mold. But we'll need an admission from you that you made a mistake. Oh, so that's it. Same old pattern. No, I won't do it. I'll never do it. You have nothing but contempt for the people, have you, Peter? They're nothing to you. Public opinion is easy to mold. Still, you mouth a lot of phrases about how right and independent the people are. And they eat it up. You're respected and trusted. Ah, and voted for. Peter Stockman, the people's choice. But the party's choice first. Your party's a fine sausage machine. It mashes up all sorts of heads together into the same mincemeat. Fatheads and blockheads all in one mash. And they all have the same opinion. And isn't that convenient? One of their unanimous opinions is that they think for themselves. I suppose you think Hofstad's party would give the individual the freedom to... No, not Hofstad's. Well, at least you've got that much sense in you. Now, Thomas, if you only had sense enough to sign a retraction, a man with a family has no right to act like this. No right? There's only one thing a free man has no right to do. No right to foul himself with filth. No right to do anything that would justify his spitting in his own face. Then go ahead and spit. You and your righteousness. I know about your cheap, slurry dealings with Morton Callum, your father-in-law. You, an idealist. And I... What do you mean? You know what I mean. If you don't, you ought to. Thomas! Thomas! Hey, Thomas! What's your hurry? Oh, uh, Mr. Callum, I... I was just on my way over to your place. <laughs> I yelled at you half a dozen times. <laughs> yes, lucky I ran into you. Uh, look here, my brother Peter's just been talking Peter. to me. <laughs> I didn't think he would. Not after that meeting. Now, uh, he accused you and me of some slippery dealings. Any idea what he's trying to... Slippery dealings? Nothing. <laughs> it's just a straight matter of business. What's a straight matter of business? Oh, let Peter talk. He, he's just whining because we're smarter than he is. Eh, Thomas? <laughs> here, look. Look what I've got here. Hmm? Just on my way over to the bank. Put them in my safe deposit box. Oh, but these are stock certificates of the Health Resort Corporation. Yes, they weren't hard to get today. And keep, Thomas. You've been buying them? As many shares as I could pay for. But, Mr. Callum, you know the state of affairs no, of the... Thomas, now, if you behave reasonably, you can soon put the resort back on its feet again. I've invested most of my savings in these shares. Stock your Catherine, Polly, and the boys will get when I pass on. Oh, no, no. Meanwhile, I can net a nice profit on them... If you just, uh... If I what? If you just say that on further investigation you find there's no pollution from my tannery. But there is. <laughs> you, you can say that there isn't. Now, look, Thomas, your family will need the money from these shares. You'll probably never make much. Not at the rate I'm going. Well, then, if you still insist that my tannery is poisoning the resort, it'll be exactly the same as tearing the flesh of your own wife and children. Why couldn't you have consulted me before you went and bought those shares? They're just trash. Trash? 
Yes, yes. If you stick to your mad idea, these shares won't be worth much. Why have you put me in such a position? You know I'm... I'm very concerned about my family's welfare. They've gone without so much for so long. Well, it's up to you whether these shares become worthless. Now, just a word from you, Thomas. Oh, that's what you are. My father-in-law, too, deals only in money. Come, come, come. I, I know you're upset, so I won't demand an answer this minute. But uh, I must know, one way or the other, what you intend to do by two o'clock this afternoon. Two o'clock this afternoon? Yes. If it's no, well, I'll, uh, I'll have to work out some way of unloading. Uh, and your family won't get a cent from me. Thank you. <laughs> The newspaper owner to see you says it's important. Shall I tell him to go along to your study or... Oh, uh, Tommy. Uh, After what's happened, you actually dare to come into my home? Well, I've got something important. Uh, I can understand you're put out with me, Thomas, for my attitude at the meeting. Pretty uh, contemptible. What else could I do? You didn't dare do anything else. Why didn't you give me a hint ahead of time? A hint of Just... what? What was behind it all? Uh, will you please leave us, Polly? Of course, Dad. Now, what are you driving at? Oh, you know. I don't know. Thomas, don't you think it would have been smarter to get somebody else besides your father-in-law go around buying up shares of health resort enterprises? Someone who wouldn't have been linked with you and you shouldn't have come out personally and attacked the resort. Could have been done anonymously, just as effectively. I know about these things. You should have consulted me first, Thomas. Is it possible? You've got to be more... What do you want? I'm willing to put my paper, the people's messenger, at your disposal. What about public opinion? Aren't you afraid of the storm that will break over our heads? Oh, we'll ride it out. But you'll have to be ready to change your tack as soon as your mudslinging's done its work. And my father-in-law and I have got hold of all the shares for next to nothing. Your uh, reason for wanting to get control of the resort is mainly scientific, I'm sure. Oh, huh? of course, of course. <laughs> And we'll tinker with the drainage pipes a little and dig up a bit of the shore and it won't cost the town a nickel. But then... Ah! That'll be all right, eh? Sure, with the people's messenger behind you. But, uh, Halstead, I, I should apologize for asking such a question, but uh, uh, what do you get out of this? Well, to, to be honest with you, Thomas, I'd prefer to help you without getting anything out of it. But the people's messengers in a rather shaky financial state, not going very well, you see. And I'd hate to see it fold up now when there's so much work to be done here in a political way. Naturally. That'd be an awful blow for such a friend of the people as you. But I am an enemy of the people. Remember that? Now get out! Go on, get out before I strangle you! Wait, now, wait! Now, oh, Stockman! I am an enemy of the people! I am an enemy of the people. Dad, Dad, what's wrong? Well, it's nothing, nothing. Thomas, I... what was all that shouting about? I'll tell you later. I've got to make a phone call first, right away. Thomas? The two boys have come home from school, too. They were fighting with the other kids. Yeah, but the other kids started it. 
Hello. Hello, Mr. Callum. Yes, Thomas. Uh, it's two o'clock. My answer. No. No, no. <clears throat> uh, what was that about the boys? Hello. Here they come. That was a strange conversation with Father. Uh, what are Leaf and Morton doing out of school at this hour? Don't tell me they're not... Daddy, we have to stay home for a couple of days. Yeah, we got in a fight. Good. Good. Well, that wipes the slate clean. The whole family's kicked out. Oh, I guess the only thing we can do is move to another town. No, I'll be hanged if we're going away. This is where the fight's going to be, and this is where we're going to come out on top. You get another roof over our head somewhere in this town, and then I'll go to work. But you haven't got your health resort appointment anymore. And if they won't let you carry on private practice... I've got you... the poor people to fall back on, haven't I? Those that don't pay anything, after all, they need me most. And I'll preach to them in and out of season. Oh, I... now, Thomas, you know how far you get with your preaching. The last few days... Now, Catherine, don't be silly. Am I going to be run out by stupid public opinion? No, thank you. I'll stay. And what are we going to do for money? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> we'll have bills instead. I want to drum into the heads of these people that the majority is an enemy of freedom, that party politics strangle every young and vigorous truth, that the considerations of expediency turn morality and justice upside down, and that it'll all end in chaos or tyranny. Oh, I know, I'll be vindicated on the issue of the contaminated water when an epidemic breaks out. I'll be needed then. But will they get the significance? Will they see a larger pattern? Hey, Morton, what's that? Morton, have you got a black eye? Oh, no, that's just dirt. That's not dirt. Well, sure it is, Mom. So you two kids got kicked out of school, eh? Oh, uh, just a couple of days, Dad. No. So... You're never going to set foot in that school again? No more school? We can play all the time. Tom, I'll educate them myself. I... You won't learn a blessed thing. Oh, but... boy. I'll make progressive and high-minded men out of you. You got me, Polly. Not afraid I might corrupt them. But uh, two young children aren't enough for a school. We'll get a dozen more. Kids who hang around the streets. Kids that our solid citizens ignore. Unless they steal something... I'm going to experiment here. Might come across some exceptional heads. What are we going to do when we all become progressive and high-minded men? Drive the wolves out of the country. If they don't drive you out, Morton. Drive me out? Now, Catherine, when I'm the strongest man in the town, I'll go further than that. I'm the strongest man in the whole world. Gee, are you, Daddy? Are you stronger than... Uh, shh. You mustn't tell anyone just yet. This is a secret. But I've made a great discovery. Oh, no, no, Thomas, not another one. Yes, uh, come in close. Uh, this is it. The strongest man in the world is man who stands most alone. Columbia Broadcasting System has brought you Studio One, a new series of hour-length versions for listening of celebrated stories, novels, and plays. Tonight from Studio One, you have heard Fletcher Markle's production of An Enemy of the People by Henrik Ibsen. The adaptation was prepared by Len Peterson, and the original music composed and conducted by Alexander Semler. Now, for your interest, may a producer now introduce the principals of the cast. Featured tonight is Dr. Thomas Stockman. Mavor Moore. As Peter, his brother. Paul McGrath. As Mrs. Stockman. Hester Sundergaard. As Hofstad, the newspaper editor. Frank Behrens. And as Larson. Ian McAllister. 
Next Tuesday night from Studio One at CBS, baseball and summertime and romance, and a young man called Alibi Ike. That's his name according to Ring Lardner, who wrote a wonderful story about him, but actually his name is Legion. Until next week then, and Ring Lardner's Alibi Ike, this is Fletcher Markle with a good night and thank you from all of us in Studio One. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Studio One is a long-running American radio and television anthology series. It was created in 1947 by the 26-year-old Canadian director Fletcher Markle, who came to CBS from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. The show presented 60-minute novel and play adaptations. Unlike Lux Radio Theater, Studio One relied heavily on radio professionals rather than huge Hollywood movie stars, and did adaptations of classic literature rather than the latest blockbuster. On April 29, 1947, Studio One was launched with the 60-minute adaptation of Malcolm Lowry's Under the Volcano. The series only lasted about a year on radio until July 27, 1948. During its run, it showcased such adaptations as Doddsworth, Pride and Prejudice, The Red Badge of Courage, and Ah, Wilderness. While not focused on the stars, top performers included John Garfield, Mercedes McCambridge, Burgess Meredith, and Robert Mitchum. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.